How I, do you say say anything in German? Uh, sagt es etwas? Yeah, it really doesn't. Sagt es etwas? Sagt es Hold on. I, 10 seconds and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the anything in that context is a little weird. Let me see. See, yeah, because all other languages operate with context where we are just right. brutal and bland. Yeah. Something I do love about German is mm -hmm. that there is words for feelings. Ah, yeah. That are so long and specific. Yes. They have like 19 letters in them. One of my favorites is peinlich. And that is that feeling of awkwardness and embarrassment on behalf of someone. Oh, I need like, that oh, tattooed that's... on the inside of my forearm because I feel that for people constantly. <laughs> peinlich? Peinlich. Yeah. Peinlich. P-E-I-N-L-I-C-H, I believe. Peinlich. Peinlich. Yeah. Peinlich. I'm going to get that as a vanity plate. <laughs> on my next car. <laughs> All right, ladies, are I mean, we ready to rock? Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Amy Rivers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up and fed us nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Amy and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years and counting. And today we have yet another person who we have spanned many, many, many years of time with, Alexandra Martin. Alex Martin, how are you today, Hello. dear? I am a wonderful. dear friend from high school. Yes, sorry. Go on there. Go no, I was just saying, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you too. I'm very excited to discuss this movie. Oh, Alex, since you know, you're, you're with us right now, why don't you introduce our movie that we're doing this week? Ooh, yes, we are discussing the cult classic, the seminal film, the John Cusack pillar that is Say Anything. It's so true, it is a cult classic. You know, people love this movie. I was reading about, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of research behind it, but I was reading about <laughs> this movie. And Siskel and Ebert, they loved this movie. It was like, oh my goodness, it's on the top 100 movies to watch before you die. Like this movie is up there. Really? Right? I'm kind of surprised about it, to be fair. I mean, I, I love it. Oh yeah. And obviously I love it. But you don't tend to think of it in the same breath as like Citizen Kane. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't mean to be not like film, I wouldn't, but... I wouldn't be looking to find say anything in the Criterion collection like that wouldn't be <laughs> so so Alex, Alex is from California, we went to high yes. school together, um, but she has now lived in Vienna for 13 years and is a full time voice actor, would you like to tell us a little bit more about what you do out there and who you who you do things for and with and all the things and all the things. Indeed, all the things, uh, yes. succinctly. Oh, yes, I'm from Los Angeles, like you ladies, went to high school with you. Uh, through odd series of events, ended up in Vienna, Austria, and was able to parlay all of those early theater studies and, and the work I subsequently did in theater 
into a career in voice acting, which was very, very lucky for me. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm very lucky in that I can work kind of all over the world. I have clients, of course, locally in Vienna, also a lot in Scandinavia, a lot in the States. With all of the remote recording possibilities now, I can pretty much stand in my home in Vienna and talk to anyone anywhere and, and do a job. So, but, but wait, specifically, don't you speak to a, a certain group of people specifically? Aren't you the voice of a video game? Like, aren't there like <laughs> thousands of men say. obsessed with your voice? Like, let's get yeah. real. There's <laughs> a bunch of guys sitting around in headsets listening to you right now being like, oh my God, who is she? You're going to have to tell us what it is because it was uh -huh. like, you were the computer in some video game. It's like, hi, this is Alex. It was like Alien or some shit like that. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So what that is, one of one of my my very early gigs, actually, I got really lucky. I am in a video game called Star Citizen. Mm -hmm. It is the largest crowdfunding project in history. They have raised hundreds of millions of dollars now, and they're still building the game. Oh, wow. The people who, who contribute to this crowdfunding can actively play the game as they build it. And this game is going to be, I mean, I think it's really the largest undertaking of its kind in history because it, it operates in real time. Like they are building out planets where you can drop yourself on a planet and walk its circumference. It will take you months, years, etc., but you can do it. Like the detail of this game, it's supposed to be true to the, the laws of physics. And there are all of these studios all over the world working on it. So I got really lucky in that they were looking for an AI voice and they didn't say what the, the gig was. And I thought, okay, well, shit, sure. Why not? I'll try it. Nothing will ever come of this. And I got the call the next day that I was hired. And the gig was actually at Pinewood Studios. And I didn't tell them I was located in Vienna because I thought, well, if I get this, I'll get my ass there, <laughs> which I did. So um, yeah, so I am the voice of Anvil Aerospace in, in Star Citizen. And that's how I was kind of introduced to this world. So all of these players who are really deeply, deeply involved in this game and have contributed at times thousands of euros hear my voice a lot if they fly these anvil ships from that player base um i was asked to do something called an hcs voice pack it's a software that allows you to control a game with your voice so rather than using a controller or keypad or whatever you can say you you talk to the ai which in this case is me and they actually named it alex so you, you know someone can sit there with a vr headset on and say Okay, Alex, uh, let's take off. And then you hear me going, affirmed, landing gear, you know, whatever. Oh, she did it. So that's she did oh, it. Here, she I can do it. it better. Let me think about what I have to say. Okay. Acknowledged, landing gear raised, ascending, handing you the con. So Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So, I love it. So Alex, you're, take, you're taking people to different worlds. Everywhere. Oh, shit, literally. Yeah. No. And so consequently, there are a lot of people who do spend a lot of time saying, Alex, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Where that goes, who can say? But, but when I meet them, yeah, consequently, at times, there have been several times when when guys, when they meet me, get very like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I talk to you all the time. And yeah, you're you're the you're the secret girlfriend of like 10,000 different gamer guys around the world, I'm sure.
I, I have sure heard I have heard that on more than one occasion. There's there's one thing that I have to ask you to do that has okay. totally nothing to do with say anything. And we, we just need to have this in the <laughs> bank because I don't know when we're going to get to it. But when we get to it, I really, really, really need because it has lived in my brain for 30 years now, at least. Oh, damn near. okay. Can you please do your impression of that dude from Legend? They're like, darkest midnight, Blitz. darkest bitch. Yes, yeah. Blitz. I need you to do Blitz, please. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> Let me see. It's been a while. Black as midnight, black as pitch, blacker than the foulest witch. Thank you. Told you it was amazing. I told you she did a solid Blix. I told you. Thank you. Thank you. Alex, <laughs> Alex on, on behalf of Eating After Midnight, I'd like to officially invite you back already. When you legend. We it, it would be my absolute pleasure. Oh my God, that was so fucking good. I don't even know. You know, how I would you forget you that remember. someone could do that? How could you forget that someone could do that? <laughs> well, I guess the actor did it. <laughs> you know? So in real life, on, on the stage, you also mm. are busy. Uh, yeah, plague permitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm also on the... Uh, the board of an English language theater company here in Vienna, Open House v uh, Theater. Yeah, so these days, actually, we produce a show called A Drinking Game Vienna because we can do this online. So we are actually officially licensed from A Drinking Game Los Angeles. They they gave us permission to do their, their brainchild. So yeah, so I write uh, stage reading versions of cult movies which are then performed by actors who are forced to drink while performing said shows. So as it goes on, they get increasingly drunk and the audience can play along. So now we just do that online on Zoom. That sounds fun. It is super fun. And I, because I do the narration, because I, I don't actually drink anymore. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the puppet master. And so I get to watch all of these people just get kind of rip shit wasted while doing their best to act. <laughs> It's fantastic. I watched the Amazing. Scrooged one, you know, one of my favorite movies at Christmas time. And we all know um, if you listen to this podcast, how much I dig a Christmas movie. So I did, I didn't mm -hmm. check it out and it was fantastic. It was so much fun. Aww. I wasn't able to drink because I'm a mother of a one-year-old, but like <laughs> it, I would, it made me want to drink even more than how it is to be the mother of a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, if you don't, if you don't go for that joke, I am. <laughs> it's really good. And, and do you have one coming up or? Yeah. On March 20th, we're going to be doing the first wives club. Oh shit. Yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. Alex, thank you yes. so much again for joining us, but I think now is time to get into the soup a bit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So we are. All right. Our second film of our crush out on Cusack. We're doing Say Anything. Sasha, you want to go through the deets? 1989, mm -hmm. considered a comedy, drama, and romance directed by Cameron Crowe, starring John Cusack as Lloyd Dobler, Ione Skye as Diane Court, John Mahoney as Creepy James Court, her daddy, mm -hmm. Lily Taylor as Corey Flood, one of my favorite characters ever, Amy Brooks as DC, Pamela Adlin as Rebecca, Pamela Adlin, who some might more uh, likely recognized as of interest on Louie. She was also on oh, Call of yeah. And a very accomplished voice actor as well. Oh, oh yeah. She was the son on King of the Hill, for example. Oh shit, that's so true. See, you you know those things. I know my voices. people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't she have a television show? Yeah, Better Things. It's a good show, actually. 
I've heard good things. I've heard good things. We've got a host of other faces that you have seen in tons of um, 80s films, as well as mm-hmm. uh, B.B. Newworth and Jeremy Piven with a <laughs> nine o'clock shadow that speaks of a long, hard day that says, babe, I lost my job. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot happening, a whole lot happening with this cast. Let's see, what is the, do we have the overview in here? Where is it? Because it's usually actually terrible. A noble underachiever and a beautiful valedictorian fall in love the summer before she goes off to college. I mean, uh, not quite it. It's not quite it. So what, what is it? What is Say Anything? So Say Anything is the story of, yes, a noble underachiever, a pie-eyed dreamer, Lloyd Dobler, who has a fixation on the prettiest, most iced out girl in school, Diane Court, who is a type A, super motivated, fellowship bound girl who has been driven to perfection by her father to achieve, achieve, achieve. And as, and the byproduct of this is that she has basically lost her entire high school career. Her, all social aspects of her entire high school career have been lost to this. She has no friends and doesn't actually know how to function as a teenage girl. <laughs> and Lloyd Dobler <laughs> in the day after graduation to basically show her how to give her a crash course in this is how you be a naughty kid for 16 <laughs> weeks. And it goes pretty well. And then it doesn't. I Say think anything. Sasha, Sasha <laughs> put her, her opinion out there on, on Diane Cord. <laughs> I like Diane Court, girl, but we're going to have to get into it more later. And he's, he's not like naughty so much. He, he's teaching her what it means to love. That's what he does. He teaches her love. And how to, and how to drive stick. Well, Which incidentally, funny enough, Alex's boyfriend taught me how to drive stick. Yes. <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Yeah. Cameron Crowe directed this movie and, mm-hmm. and I have a theory that you can identify anybody's generation on their favorite Cameron Crowe movie. Um, so of course my favorite Cameron Crowe movie is Say Anything because that was the movie that I saw in 1989. What were we, 11 years old? Mm-hmm. My cousin, who's like three years younger than me, her mm-hmm. favorite Cameron Crowe movie is Singles. Gross. Right? <laughs> And then I'm sure a bunch of people- Yeah, I said gross. What y'all couldn't see was that Alex like, like almost like clutched the pearls. Was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I mean, I maybe I need Singles. to re-see it. No, girl, you don't. But you don't. No, no you don't. No, <laughs> it's the generational theory I have. Yeah. Because if I mean, I remember that film fondly, but but perhaps, you know, I, I'm learning a lot rewatching these these films of my youth, you know. If you're three years older than us, then you you're all about fast times. And then mm, and then you're for your well young bastard, you love almost famous and Jerry Maguire, which mm-hmm. are both good movies. I'm not t- talking shit about the movies, it's just you know, it's here's say anything, and here's the rest of Cameron Crow. And maybe if mm-hmm. you're a real dick, you like Aloha. Like maybe that's oh. Does anyone openly like that film? Has anyone openly seen that film? No. no. Which is unfortunate because I like Cameron Crowe a lot. And this movie reminded me of it because his turn of a phrase is really mm-hmm. great, isn't it? He, he, he writes good screenplays. So let's talk a little bit about our memories and, and kind of quickly what we thought of the film. So Alex, you know, do you, do you have any memories of watching this film? And just a really quick overview of 
how you felt on the reheat? You know, I don't have any specific memories of like the first time I saw it or, or even actively watching it. Just the impression I had from my, my youth was, you know, that this was, was warm and fuzzy. This was like, you know, the love story, the underdog gets the girl and, and, you know, the nice guy wins. And I, you know, I kind of, I remember liking Diane, but in the reheat, I, I wondered if Diane maybe was as, she's an awkward person. She's an awkward character, which is not something I recalled. And, but the overwhelming thing in the reheat that, that struck me was like, wow, stalker as romantic lead, you know, and, and in the hands of any other actor, perhaps that character would be so fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. But John Cusack is maybe, you know, is able to make him like kind of charming and endearing while still, if you really look at the facts, this guy's a creep. <laughs> there is that, there, there, you know, there's a big thing on this film on the interweb where they say a uh, Dahmer or Dobbler. Oh, wow. <laughs> it really is a question of when is it cute and Lloyd Dobler mm. and when does it go to that space that you're suddenly with Jeffrey Dahmer? You know, yeah, the thing is, is and I'm, I'm thinking about it now and like I wasn't as disturbed by his Dahmer-esque <laughs> qualities in this. I, I really wasn't. My, my main beef with Lloyd Dobler as a character was that he has no, he has no character arc which I never mm. recognized before. He was the pie-eyed dreamer who wanted Diane Court in the beginning of the movie. And he's the pie-eyed dreamer who's going to attempt to retain Diane Court by the end. There's not, not a whole lot happens for Lloyd Dobler. Mm. What, is, what is interesting about the dynamic between Lloyd Dobler and Diane Court is it's that the gender roles have been reversed. It would be perfectly mm. acceptable for a female character to become completely moon-eyed obsessed over a high school boy mm -hmm. right where in this case it's the guy so he so he comes off like a stalker and a freak but really to me he is the embodiment of 1950s lyrics like i will follow him <laughs> follow him wherever he may go like he is just <laughs> like you know so there he is so completely wrapped up in this obsession and crush with her and yeah i just thought about that like when he goes to the dinner party and they're they're trying to ask him what he wants out of life. He's like, I'm just, you know, for a living, I just want to, I want to be with your daughter. I just want to completely be um, enmeshed and wrapped up in this complete codependent obsession that I have with your daughter because I don't really know anything else. Legit. And it is that obsessive first love. And and mind you, coming off of Better Off Dead, he doesn't have her pictures on his coat hangers, but this is this is an interesting thing that this is twice now that he plays like an obsessive stalker kind of dude. What's going on with John Cusack? Like, is there a thing about him? Maybe he's that guy. I just recently read something that said, um, oh, John Cusack, women of a certain age really are into him. And I just went, <laughs> fuck them, fuck them for saying that <laughs> of a certain age. I can't fight that. <laughs> I mean, because actually re-watching this last night, I did have that moment of thinking about Better Off Dead, watching Say Anything. And after about an hour, I tried to then go watch Gross Point Blank. 
you know, about five years later. But again, it's a similar kind of character. Guy really fixated on a girl he went to high school with, does a bunch mm -hmm. of weird shit in the world and, and still circles back to the girl he's fixated on. Yeah. You know, this, maybe, I don't know, maybe John Cusack kind of feels himself in those kind of characters. I don't know, but it does certainly seem to be a John Cusack thing. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Right yeah. Here. Fixate. Yeah, I still, yeah. <laughs> Fixate right over here, John. Come on over, John. Because I, because within minutes, I was like, oh yeah, he's fucking hot in this. Yeah. Oh my he god. He is. I don't care if he's a, if, if he's an obsessive stalker. He is mm -hmm. adorable and cute and hot in his trench coat mm -hmm. and his class mm -hmm. shirt. Crushed out on yeah. Kuzak. I watched. I saw this in the actual movie theater, and I Ooh. remember it. And then cons uh, subsequently watched it. 157,000 times. I may have watched it every single day. It is definitely a movie that shaped my heart and my the desires that I want. I loved how you put it, Alex, like the nice guy wins. It's so true. Mm. I remember it being very much like, oh my God, I, I can't wait to have a boyfriend who can be my best friend too. You know, that, mm. that kind of feeling. This is where I really tripped out on just like, oh, I was boy crazy after this because remember, we were 11 years old when this came out. Right. So, you know, before it was like Barbies and then after Say Anything, it was boys, which mm -mm. I should actually be angry about that, but I'm not. No, we'll let it, we'll let it go. It's where I discovered two loves of my life. So A, John Cusack and B, Peter Gabriel, because oh, Gabriel yeah. is probably mm. one of my favorite musicians of all time. Like David Bowie can eat shit. I love him. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I am going to cut that. But seriously, like people trip out on so many people, but no one trips out on him. And I have to share this, that one time I was dating a boy who is quite younger than me. I said that I liked Peter Gabriel and his ass said, oh, that's like adult contemporary Disney. <gasps> And then we broke up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't care if you're good looking, done. Um, where <laughs> I also learned the definition of monumental. That's this movie. <laughs> Monument, monumental as in busy. monumentally busy? Yes. Monumentally busy. So good. Uh, I, so, and so good. On this reheat, I, I definitely have mixed feelings. And I'm just going to leave it at that. We're going to go through it. Mm. Now, Sasha, you, you, what what's your memories of this film and and some of your other impressions um Anna? well i mean this is this is another one where like can't remember the last time that i saw it but it's just it's it's there it is fully like from start to finish like embedded in my frontal lobe and I will never get tired of watching this movie. I'll watch this movie a whole bunch. I'm not mad at it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm bummed that I only got to watch it once before we did this. I'm really happy that Alex is here to do this and that we've oh. got this like nostalgic high school moment because it's just so, it's so much closer to the way that we grew up than anything else. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the graduation, when he's like, take a picture with me with her take a picture with me and he does like the og photo bomb where he like walks behind her is like that is like before camera phones before oh. instagram before goddamn facebook when you wrote notes and put mm -hmm. them in people's locker and you waited for a response and did other things while waiting then refreshing <laughs> Poking your all of all of your like obsessive compulsive disorder anxieties that everyone has manifested since the birth of social media, you know, when you left voicemails Ooh. and wondered if someone was standing there listening. 
when you just yeah. waited for callbacks and, 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 you know, and hung out in your bedroom with friends and talked face to face. Oh, fuck, man. I miss those days. I miss those days of pure, real human interaction and waiting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love this that we're able to do, you know, literally we're in three different countries and three different time zones. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But like, I felt the exact same way. I had this longing whilst watching this film of just like, wouldn't it be so nice not to date online? Wouldn't it be so nice to just have that real connection with people and and just waiting like that's it right like the waiting was great I love how you put that just waiting for somebody to call me or sending me a letter in the mail after oh god stamps (laughs) (laughs) oh my days all right well shall we get in the soup we're in the soup we're already in the soup we're yeah, in- we're in the soup. So first of all, the, the high school graduation, my first thing mm-hmm. was like, was this our high school graduation? Because we went yeah, no. to a freaky, a freaky <laughs> ass high school. So when this kid is like on the stage singing like a drunk karaoke version of Greatest Love of All, I'm like, this could really only have, have happened at our high school. Like, I don't know how that kid got the pass to be like, yeah, you, you are, you're our entertainment. This is exactly <laughs> this is exactly what parents want on their camcorders for the next like 10 years until they convert it to digital is this horrendous version <laughs> of greatest love of all. It is nice that the principal is black. At least they snuck mm-hmm. someone in there with some melanin. But I was yeah. going to tell you like, you know, because we always try to see how many black people are in this film and, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, um, we'll pop your bubble now, everyone. There's That's only- it. That's it. That's it. This scene. I think there might be a couple faces in the audience, but that's all you. Oh, at the party, there's some. Some. There's a dude with a Jerry curl. I'm sure. Right. Somebody yes. else. Right. But in while he's singing "Greatest Love of All," I don't know if you noticed, but you can go back and watch it. But there is um, a black teacher in the background wearing a beautiful lilac dress and some sunglasses. Her arms are crossed, and she is not enjoying <laughs> this dude ripping up Whitney Houston. She is not down. She like nope. I mean, it's it's greatest love of all in the key of R. It is so bad. (laughs) It is so bad. I don't get it. I don't get what happened there. And then, and then there are some like strange moments, like like why there's no black people in the movie, which is weird because they're in Seattle, which is like Mm -hmm. a super black city. It Mm -hmm. also only rains like once or twice, and they're in Seattle, which is also you know a little bit weird. But why, if there's no black people in the movie and they have no black friends? Is there all that weird, like, hey, so brother, can I borrow your records? <gasps> like, and, like, what the hell? Where did that even come from? Yeah, why, what, what provoked that particular reaction? Right? Like, I'm glad all know, three of us were like, hold on, though. No. I, I, I was sitting on my couch and I literally went, what? <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yeah. It's, it's because that kind of thing is so jarring now because you would never ever see anything remotely close to it anymore. And in the film, it's supposed to be this kind of endearing little interaction between nephew and, and uncle. And in reality, it's like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're talking black. Yeah. And so far from okay. Yeah, and you're teaching a child. You're yeah. teaching a child to talk, <laughs> to talk black. Right, you wouldn't black talk. Why though? Well, I mean, it's something that they do throughout the film where to be cool, to show Mm. that you are on the level, they kind of affect this kind of, you know, black speak, you know, and it's not only, it's not only Lloyd, but it's also, you know, when they're in the gas and sip, the guys, you know, break out. Mm -hmm. 
a, a terrible- The worst, the worst beatbox freestyle ever. Oh God, it hurt, it burned, it yeah, burned. And, and it was, what was it? Plein, 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 Peinlich. <laughs> there, there you go. There, I'm telling there you, I is. live in a constant state of peinlich, which is the German word for fuck. I'm so embarrassed for you right now. <laughs> you know, and Sasha and I mentioned this, you know, if there, if there had been one black friend, you know, one mm -hmm. person where they may have been able to identify, you know, that they listen to soul music with it. I mean, Sasha and we're talking about it and she's like, oh no, the, the principal was black. I was like, oh great. Was, was Lloyd hanging out with him, listening to soul music? Like, is that how he got all this right? knowledge? But right, like the only character that could ever really pull this off for me in a movie and it totally works because he works in a rec record shop is Ducky in Pretty in Pink. He can fucking bust a move to Otis Redding all day long. It makes sense. It's built into his character. But all mm. of it in this was just kind of like, this is as weird as the two random black tree guys in you know, and Better Off Dead, where it's just like, why? Why did this have to happen? It didn't. It didn't. But that's how we know this film was made in 1989 because mm. of that there's there's one of your there's one of your what the fuck time stamps 80s what <laughs> how did how did we get here <laughs> putting random black folks in for no fucking reason that's how we got here that's how we got here yeah that's how we got here. yeah so they go to graduation and then he gets and, and diane gives her speech right so she gives mm. her speech where she says i'm scared and and yeah i mean i I'll, I'll say it now. I like Diane and I actually wanted to be Diane Court. And I, and this actually goes into the next scene as well, because in the next scene, um, which was a trigger scene for me is when Lloyd is with his sister, Constance, who mm -hmm. is played by, of course, his sister, an amazing actress, uh, Joan Cusack. Mm -hmm. And he, she's not in a good mood, right? Because her ass is tired and her kid is sick and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Lloyd kind of, does this thing where he's like get in a good mood you used mm. to be fun and mm. and this is where my complicated feelings about Lloyd come because I have heard this from someone not my brother and maybe it's okay if it's your brother saying it to you but fuck dude she's tired I think when I watched this movie I was dying to be Diane Court because I wanted to be beautiful and I wanted to be smart and I wanted to date Do Lloyd Dobler um, it turns out that I actually ended up to be more, much more like Corey, who was just obsessed, <laughs> obsessive and depressed and dramatic, wearing a lot of black. But now I'm constant, <laughs> where I'm like, my ass is tired and I'm trying to be in a good mood, but fuck, you know, I just worked an eight hour day and my kid kept me up all night. So, oh, I think I definitely always wanted to be Corey and was Corey. Like, that's it. <laughs> solid I, I told Alex I, oh no and then and then became a little bit of the 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 dude in the chicken suit who held the parties like that, that <laughs> ended up being me that ended up being me for a while yeah I, I told Alex before we started that she was kind of Diane Court to be fair oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely and, and, and a compliment Alex absolutely yeah oh yeah and, and objectively I can see that you know yeah. I, I I had the path in high school right for yeah, no, I, I get, and I was certainly prissy. So, <laughs> but like, you had a sense of humor, which is what my beef with Diane Court is, is that she's right. so awkward. She doesn't have mm, a sense of humor no. and she's so, God, she's just, she's like a goldfish. She's like just so been in that bubble for so long. Yes, please. Oh yeah, but 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 also oversharing with her dad. Oh, 
Like there are some fundamental filters that are missing in that character in that relationship that make me Oh, I think you guys are harsh because she has been in a bubble like her father, which on this watch, I felt more than any other time I've watched it is manipulative. Well, yeah, she's got mm. a little bit of she's right. got the Stockholm thing where like it makes mm. sense to her that her dad is her best friend, confidant and the sun and the moon and the stars. And let me go and tell you all about last night's sexual experience, you know, ew. but I jumped him anyway. Ew, ew, ew. And the thing is, is okay, we're just going to go right to that because that was where I was like, <laughs> fuck you, Diane Court. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing, for as stalkerish and obsessive as Lloyd Dobler is, Mm -hmm. He's a perfect gentleman. Mm -hmm. And you never, ever, ever get any kind of impression of him that he would do anything untoward mm -hmm. or undesired. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to describe this encounter, the beginning of the night, as though she would have no choice unless she acquiesced. So he got that him, look. He got that look, Daddy. You know, you know that, that look. look. Like the look that oh, he'll only know once he's in that orange jumpsuit. But mm -hmm. like, seriously, <laughs> like. And she says that she like basically acquiesced to avoid problems, which is really disturbing and completely inaccurate. I, I don't believe any of that. And then she goes on to be like, and then I jumped him anyway, which was just skeevy and super, super duper gross. Super oh, yeah. duper. You don't tell your daddy that. I don't care how close you are. That is mm -mm. nasty. And then he just sits there listening to it like, mm -hmm. no, no, no all know you know their relationship is actually the say anything of this movie like they're the ones who actually say the line twice by the way mm -hmm. say anything. Mm -hmm. it's about you know if this movie had kind of any thought about the the title it's in this idea that you can say anything to me and I'm still going to be there and I love you and all those things yeah so her I mean it's her situation right she's in a bubble and she only has her dad like she says it in the next scene where she's you know, I, you have your friends and I only have my dad. Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's the situation. But see, even there, when she says that, and he's like mortified as any young man would be that she just divulged that they bone to her dada. Like, I mean, it's, 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 it's grody because like, not only has he proven himself to be a good listener and a good friend and a perfect gentleman, it's already been established for us in the film that he's not that guy in that really awkward scene where Bebe Newworth shows up, the high school counselor to, to the high school party dressed like she is ready to fuck any student that she's ever had in her office, okay? They while, Right, and while she's choosing to just have like a little aside with Lloyd Dobler to talk to him about his future before her <laughs> imminent future of getting piss shit hammered takes place, this girl <laughs> walks past them being like, don't even touch me, don't even talk to me. I don't want to be anywhere near you. And she's like storming off and this dude is grabbing her and trying to pull her back. And the high school counselor, doesn't give a fuck, but Lloyd Dobler is seeing this over her shoulder and you can mm. see that he's like, should maybe I or someone do a thing? So it's been established that he is a protector mm. and an upright dude. So I really, mm -hmm. I just took extreme exception to the writing mm. of that scene. I was like, mm -hmm. that, was just, that was unnecessary. And I don't know if they were going for some kind of weird after school special angle about like date rape and all that kind of stuff. Cause if they did, they missed the mark twice. Well, and, and of all of the things that daddy is uptight about and pressuring her about, he's, he has no worries whatsoever about the sex or the staying out all night. 
You would yeah. think that he would be more controlling in that regard. Apparently, if she makes a phone call and says, I'm coming home, you know, before dawn, but actually I came home several hours after dawn. Noon. That's not really a big problem for him. I, I'm pretty sure my father found out I had sex once I got pregnant. I think that's the first <laughs> time my father was like, oh, my, my daughter's actually had sex. Ugh. And he was happy to have a child, but, you know, that was it, you know. We have to say, though, in the party scene, which is fantastic, I love mm. the scene, which, by the way, cameo alert, we don't mm. get one Heather, but there are actually two Heathers in this film. So there's Heather Chandler, who, mm -hmm. um, you know, is Sheila, who goes like, right, the blonde. how did that happen? <laughs> then Heather Nakamura, who played the yellow Heather, she's yeah. actually the girl comforting... Um, the girl who was saying like, leave me alone. And they're listening to Corey sing songs. She's one of those girls who, who kind of Corey. talks to, she has like a one-liner, just, you know, little cameo, a little bit of 1980s geography, movie geography. Corey sings songs. I wrote 65 <laughs> songs about Joe and I'm going to play them all tonight. Joe likes girls with <laughs> names like Ashley and Tamerlin. <laughs> Which I would not know this unless Sasha watched it on the subtitles. Tamerlin? Is Tamerlin. Tamerlin. Damn. Maybe she's a foreign exchange student from the <laughs> South. That's a very South name. Maybe that's the one black girl in this movie. Right? Tamerlin. <laughs> that makes, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That'll never be me. That'll never be me. No, 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 no. Don't you even think it. Don't you even think it. Mm -hmm. I have no, I've, I have sang this song impromptu <laughs> numerous times in my life. In fact, all three of these songs, probably what I remember and quote the most from this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Sasha, you're, you're the last one. Joe lies. When he cries, when he cries, Joe lies. Joe is the worst piece of shit on earth. I <laughs> fucking love the breakup scene between Corey and Joe so much, so much. Is it one of my favorite scenes ever in a movie when she is hovering in front of the refrigerator door light and stripped by Depeche Mode is playing and he <laughs> wanders into the room and is like, Ashley's going away or Tammy, Mammy, Mimi, Mimi, what I don't know, like one of the 19 different girls that of, of the names that Joe likes and um, Mimi's going away to college and I'm gonna be alone. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be alone. I want to get back together. I love you. I love you. You invade my soul. You invade my soul, right? Yeah. Have sex with me. And then she just looks at him in that Lily Taylor way with the like mm. the somber understanding of a 37 year old woman who's been in therapy for two years <laughs> and has come to understand that she has a pattern of choosing narcissists, looks at him and just goes, goodbye, Joe and walks out into the Depeche mode. And I love that scene so much. <laughs> he is so the much. worst and Lily mm -hmm. Taylor is the best. Was this mm -hmm. the first movie? Where, where are we at with Lily Taylor? It's gotta be pretty early. 
It's got to be really early in her career. And she is fabulous in this movie. I love Lily Taylor, though. We, we definitely, Lily Taylor appreciation moment for sure. Mm-hmm. Can we say, though, I, again, I like Diane Court. So every now and then I'm just going to perk up on what I do like about <laughs> Diane Court. Girl knows how to overdress. I love dress with the flower in her hair. And I definitely love, you know, I'm an overdresser. I dig that. She looked good, right? Yeah, she looked really good. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm glad she wasn't wearing white shoes. Oh, God. I I had a moment where I honestly went, oh, good. She's wearing nude heels. (laughs) Yeah, thank God. Thank God. Also, does she have like a suitcase for this date? When they walk out the door, she's like, will you hold this? And it's like a whole fucking (laughs) satchel. I'm like, what? That does what not are you match bringing, the dress. right? This like what? What are you bringing? <laughs> oh my god! But so, so they- I don't really get why at the party she's c- c- so like ridiculously cunty to him. Like he's super cool. Like lets her go off and like do her thing. He's not like all over her. That's why I'm like he's not really a stalker. He's got a massive crush on her. He gets saddled oh. with this job of keymaster. And like, he keeps an eye on her throughout the party, but he's not like a creep who's glued to her side and like not letting her have her own time and her own fun. So that moment where they see each other across the room and she like, like rolls her eyes and tries to get away. I'm like, bitch, he's your ride. You better stop. Well, but on the stalker thing there, I think there is an argument to be made both ways. I have to say, because he, he thinks of their first date as sitting across from her at the mall eating, not together, merely existing in the same space. So in his mind, this is date number one. He then, of course, has her number memorized, although he does not appear to have called it before. Little he also knows where she lives. Also, yes, very true. Very much aware of that and is planning and plotting up until this point to ask her out. He does manage to do so. But I think the early behavior prior to their having an actual conversation could imply a bit of stalker. I mean, ultimately, this part when he kind of courting Diane Court, haha, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. that that part doesn't bother me too much. And I, I totally clock that that moment, Sasha. It's a weird moment where she she looks at him funny. My, I'm more about when they break up. That's the part where mm. it, it, it's uh, it's uncomfortable for me. But before we get there, they gotta fall in love. So they end mm. the party. And then they're driving, walking home. He uh, kicks okay. away the glass it's just so it can spread around. Oh, I, I really love that they have to give that kid who looks like the lost member of Flock of Seagulls a ride home because he's <laughs> too drunk to remember where he lives. And I love that it's pre-seatbelt era. Like no one's got a seatbelt on. Everyone's just all over this fucking car, ready to be tossed around like a rag doll at the slightest <laughs> fucking fender bender. It's just, ugh. it's very, it's very unnerving to me. The amount of no eyes on the road while driving that takes mm. place during this movie gives me agita. Like I didn't know I could <laughs> like, oh my, it's really, mm. no one's watching the road no, ever while they're driving. I keep it's waiting true. for it. I kept wondering like, is there, is there one of those dramatic get hit by a bus moments that I forgot about in this movie? Because it's, it feels like it's going to happen every single time, every single time. It's true. The dad does it. Lloyd yes. does it. Yeah, I noticed breakup. that as well, and I found it very disturbing. When the breakup scene is the worst. He's literally like kissing her and making yeah. fun of her and rubbing her neck, but he's not watching the road. It's <laughs> so scary. It's so yeah. super fucking scary. Oh God, and the heartbreak is so real. The heartbreak mm-hmm. is so real. But also I do not remember 
So, okay, so they they have the party. She He kicks the glass. She calls him basic, realizes it's wrong. He does an amazing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bow in the street, which is super adorable. Mm-hmm. They start they start seeing each other. They have their first kiss, which is super cute while he's teaching her how to drive the car. They have another kiss under a tree and then they fuck it. <laughs> Bada, bang, boom. Like it just, I don't remember it happening that fast. I thought there was build up to it. I thought right? it was a bigger moment and suddenly, oh, they're fucking in the back seat. Oh, right. we're doing now. Okay, previously we've kissed in the rain. Uh, but can yes. we just talk about the kiss in the rain though? It's very true. You guys are both on point. I agree with you. I thought that montage was like a proper 80s montage that was like six weeks long or, or, <laughs> yeah. or at least 15 seconds. It's like or at least like the karate kid montage yeah. where like he's learning to do shit, like stuff <laughs> happens, right? Like, all it is is them kissing. But can I tell you, Damn, he the best kisser in the universe award. Like, oh, I love how he has to bend over mm-hmm. her, and when they're both wearing like duster mm. trench coats and it's in the rain. Um, the only time it really rains in this movie, isn't it? In Seattle. Oh no, and then he's in no, the, when, when he's, he's in the after phone the breakup booth. Yeah. We must have really endowed these like these three those 45 seconds. seconds. It's not even 45 seconds. Long. It's not 45 <laughs> seconds long. 45 seconds is a long time. That's a proper montage. This is like five seconds. They're like kissing yeah. in the rain and then they're kissing under a tree. Then they kiss in the rain and then. And then they've already come. Okay. <laughs> like it's not even like it's like they're, it's like they're in the afterglow already. She's like, what the fuck? And, and to boot, she's the pro. She's well satisfied at that. She's like, yeah, this is great. And he's like, uh, like and he needs like a, 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 a an aluminum shock blanket and she's super fine. The sex scene for me, like, you know, so they emerge from the blanket shell kind of moment. Yes. The and he's shaking and, and, but in that moment, when the two of them are interacting, all I could see was an actor who did not know where to put his hands. Thinking consciously, this is a PG-13 movie. Because you see him kind of reach toward the breast and then retract. And then reach toward her neck and then retract. And he ends up gripping her face because he has nowhere else to put his hands that look even remotely natural or normal because it's poor actor working on a scene. Oh, my days. So true. Exactly. And now in the next in the next reveal where she goes to talk to her dad, she's going to talk about him like he was the fucking wolf in a Warner Brothers cartoon. Mm-hmm. Ah, <laughs> Meanwhile, she, yeah, she's the one who's like, what's up? Chill out. All we did was fuck. <laughs> listen to this song. Just like chill yourself out. Okay, listen. I have to say though, the dialogue in the sex scene and, and it happens in lots of different places. It's like this movie is all about the drama because... <laughs> Like, like, why are you shaking? Because I think I'm happy. And and yeah, it, and you know what? And like in your eyes, or you're crazy course, and a, creepy, right? Or you're crazy and and like have been obsessed with this moment maybe for the last four years, and like your brain's about to explode because you finally achieved the dream. But so, in your eyes is a wonderful song. It's a beautiful and romantic song. But it, I had this moment where I thought about them in the backseat of the car listening to this song, and I was like, does the romance get killed just a little bit when Lady Blacksmith Mombazo breaks out. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's all fucking Lion King all of a sudden. Like, does that break the moment just a little bit? No. <laughs> Amy, you tell us. <laughs> yeah, I've had sex in your eyes. I'm, I'm sure oh, you have. I'm sure you have. Please. So tell us. Tell <laughs> us that moment. I, I, I hope my father's not listening to this one. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, every Peter Gabriel album. And I know for a fact that Sasha has had sex to the passion by Peter Gabriel. So, you know, oh, everyone <laughs> can shut the fuck up. How did you remember that? But I managed to lock that deep in the back of my fucking brain. <laughs> because That's it what was best with friends my are brother, for. you asshole. Peinlich, peinlich, Oh my God. Sasha. <sighs> wow. Oh man. So, okay. So they have, they have their romance. He teaches her how to drive stick. And of course, crooked Jimbo starts mm. to plant the seed that, you know, this is going to like fuck up everything that we've planned. <laughs> All of our plans, everything that we've dreamed of. But before and we even uh, get there, we've got to go to the subplot, the FBI subplot, which, yes. which, you know, earlier in the film, I, his second date is of course is a dinner date. And, mm-hmm. and it, which like, one of the guests at the table is the postman from Better Off Dead, which I was very excited. What? Yeah, yeah, the dude, the dude who's like, so Lord, what are you going to do with your life? That's the postman. Oh. Dead. Yeah. 80s yeah. geography. Yeah. No, no. They, so they have that scene. And and also at, at that scene, as well as the scene that you mentioned earlier, Sasha, when he's talking to his uh, counselor, the big theme of this movie, of course, is that Lloyd doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. He wants to be with Diane, but he's waiting for a, a dare to be great moment. You know, that's what he's all about. So during that dinner scene, and we should mention it, is the great monologue he has about not wanting to buy anything bought or or processed. And I'll tell you, I still love that. And I still kind of got inspired by it. I was like, damn, I need to quit my job. (laughs) Really? For Uh, me, that was a, like, if this was a, a, a young man come a court in my child and he sat down to my dinner table and said this shit, I would kick his ass out of my house. I mean, yeah. I mean, I had that moment too, where I kind of like was like, I, I appreciate your idealism mm. and all of that young gusto for a new world. But indeed, yes, these are a bunch of adults who have surrounded Diane Court her whole life and have seen her work really, really hard to achieve some really, really difficult things. Why would they want her hanging out with a guy who has absolutely zero aim ambition and then, and then basically admits that his entire life's purpose is to live his obsession of her that's that that would creep any any adult out at the table but i mean you know papa jim really has no no standing he can't be saying mm-hmm. anything about anybody doing anything with their lives because he's ripping off a bunch of old people stealing their shit and decorating his house with it and then giving it as gifts to his daughter so when the feds come and he starts to have a freak out oh my god that scene oh my god dad's in the bathtub freaking out. <laughs> a bunch of money and the feds found out like he's fucking in so much deep shit and i'm loving it because i'm like you're a fucking creepy prick dude mm-hmm. and it's amazing how as soon as he gets in that orange jumpsuit it all looks right <laughs> he's got like the combed back hood style yeah. haircut you're like this this look works for you and he's smoking a this, cigarette all of a sudden yeah, yeah. all of a sudden he's yeah i'm incarcerated lord like he's like he's a hardened <laughs> criminal <laughs> like that's who he is that's who Papa Jim is. Can I tell you just on a moment of like, God, I watched this when I was a little girl. When I watched that scene, I remember him saying like, I'm something Lloyd, but I didn't know what he said. So I just thought he said something like, I'm angry. And it's only on this watch where I was like, oh, he's just saying that he's incarcerated. Like (laughs) I didn't know what that word meant when I was a little girl. Oh my God. I just love, I love everything about it that is 80s timestamped. I love that Mm. he's driving around talking into a tape recorder diary. Again, creepy stalker moment though. Like, 
okay, it's kind of charming, but at the same time, this is a little obsessive. And he's talking to Corey, but he won't actually talk to her. Here we're in the thick of it. Okay, so, you know, Dobbler or Dahmer, because after the breakup, and I have to say, even before, like right when he breaks up, I immediately, like there's certain things he says and there's certain actions he takes where it's like, Lloyd Dobler, I love you so much. Why are you acting like this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's um, from him saying, you know, she breaks up with and he's like, you must think I'm a dick. Yeah, you had that with a dick. It's like, stop being angry, dude. Like, calm your role. I'm just trying to talk to you and, and we're breaking But he's a young man and he's I'm, in okay. love with her and they just had sex and her next thing is I'm going to break up with you out of nowhere when things have ostensibly been going great. I'm on I'm your give you a pen. I'm, yeah. giving you, I'm, I'm just saying that that kind of instant, I'm a dick, an angry man kind of thing. Like he gets mm. angry at her and then the obsessive phone calls. And then of course he wrote this beautiful letter. And then on one of them, he tells her to rip it up. Really? We're gonna go to that petty place where you're gonna start ripping up remembrances of our love. It was just mm. you no know, drama or whatever. And then of course, there is the boombox scene. And as now as a child, I fucking love this. And I still believe in great gestures, but... Mm. If a dude was outside my window playing the song that, you know, was played when the first time we had sex, I would call the cops. Well, and at this point in time, he has been doing the obsessive calling. She has never replied. He has no reason to believe she is carrying a torch whatsoever. So this really reads as just obsessive crazy behavior. But what the thing that has always bugged me about that scene actually is where the fuck is he? He's not on her street. He's parked in like a park. Indeed. So I have a couple issues with this. One, okay. he's parked in a park. Motherfucker, you gonna disturb the whole I don't like noise. And I don't know <laughs> if you can hear this right now, but I live on right, monsters. There's going to be a rumble through the like for the last like four or five minutes on this podcast because I live underneath monsters. And that was actually a moment <laughs> with his sister where she has a red line on the stereo, and I'm like, see, that is how you are a considerate motherfucking neighbor. So he's out in a park, blocks away from her house. I'm like, motherfucker, you gonna disturb disturb everybody with your crazy also Mm -hmm. do you own another shirt because this might be why she broke up with you stanky and then how does she have the nerves of steel to lay in the bed and not even look out the window i'm like she might actually be a sniper like but maybe she's not going on a fellowship she's actually like a sleeper cell assassin because i would (laughs) never even if a dude was completely nuts and driving me insane with obsessive calls and messages i would never not be able to go to the window and be like is that motherfucker really though (laughs) we forgive all of this in this film because Mm. a he's 19 years old b he we know that she broke up with him not because she didn't like him but because her father manipulates her in a really bad way and see it is lloyd dobler slash john cusack who is just charming and gorgeous and we're in love with him mm-hmm. so we make uh, for, you know we make allowances while watching this film and it's forgivable but it's just like well, what it is, you know what it is? It's like, it's just more of this very, like the reinforcement of very toxic relationship ideals that are a carryover of the fifties. I will follow him, follow him wherever mm-hmm. he may go. Right. So like the idea of obsession and codependence is 
held up. And so we get this idea from this movie that you just keep going for the one that you that you're obsessed with. You keep going for the one that you love. And that just doesn't work. So this this idea of obsession as commitment uh, is kind of drilled into all of these romantic movies for us as kids. And now fast forward to adulthood, like I just had a thing with the my 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 previous relationship where I was like, boundaries are real, right? But that's a thing that like none of that ever existed in any of these movies where it was like, no, that's not that's actually not okay. Crazy crazy obsession is not commitment. It's just crazy. Well, yeah, and we all of those tropes, I think, are so embedded into the cultural mindset. And yeah. I think, I mean, this is this is very serious, but you know, I think we saw the ramifications of that in a few of these instances where these guys freak out and kill a bunch of people and say, "Why yes. won't women fuck me? I'm a yes. nice guy." Why? Yes, no, I mean, but this is exactly why we do this podcast. How did we get here? <laughs> we watch these movies over and over again that said, "No, this is fine." This is fine. And if, and if a woman doesn't reciprocate your attentions, then that means that she's like a frigid bitch and you should be able to go on like a psycho freak out, driving the streets, show up on her front lawn. Like it just reminded me of Valley Girl too. Like what the fuck, dude, get off my lawn, motherfucker. I said what I said, it's over. I, I, so I have been cyber stalked, right? So I, I had an ex-boyfriend who stole all my passwords to everything oh, and wow. he was casing me and reading scary. all my emails and, oh, and all those shit. things. And it was really awful. And in fact, the, the situation didn't end. I didn't even know about it until he sat me down um, over coffee. I finally agreed to see him because we had broken up. And he, he said, um, you need to change all your passwords because I've been, and he just said straight, I've been stalking you and I can't stop. So it's like, I don't know. I do have sense now. Now that's like that's just a little bit of what can really happen of, in the stalkery world. You know, that's like nothing. I didn't even know it was happening, and it freaked me the fuck out. I mean, I don't think I've ever yelled at somebody and cut somebody off so fucking sharp as when this happened to me. So I don't know. You know, we give allowance. Everything that you guys said here, here. This movie, I love it, and we want to give it to him because of these reasons. But it really is. Um, kind of a dangerous scene because you can see a um, two-sided you can see a man watching this movie and saying this is what I'm supposed to do if I really love a girl and you seem to see a girl thinking if a boy really loves me he'll do these things you know what I yes mean? so it, it's as yes. beautiful as it was written and how mm. and how lovely it is it needs the context of being this is just a movie yeah and actually this makes sense because they really do love each other it's just her goddamn dad so then she finds out and then this is like i don't know for some reason this scene really bugged me the fuck out when she decides to like put on a cute little outfit and go to the federales and think that they're going to tell her anything about her papa's case and then they do and then they do right and and then she manages to go home raid the house find a fuck ton of cash and then call her dad out and she loses her shit, right? And this is where you see like really how toxic their relationship is, is really like they've had more of like a, like a surrogate wife, husband kind of relationship and it's yeah. so fucked up. And he tries to blame her and mm -hmm. his misguided obsession with her future for why he's stolen from every Nona in the place, right? And like, it's not cool. It's not no. cool at all. And good on her for being like, deuces, dad. Fuck you, I'm done. 
because you lied to me. It's crazy how I never noticed the manipulation of the film because I always was really bothered about the subplot with the FBI and stuff. And it's funny because I read that's actually the, the birth of this film was about a dating a girl whose father goes to jail. Like that's kind of what James L. Brooks, you know, started that that's the seed that birthed this movie it was more about the FBI plot versus hmm. the love story. But anyway, he's manipulative and guilt tripping as fuck. And I never noticed it until this watch of how terrible he is throughout the whole film to her. Yeah. I never mm-hmm. realized how intense his manipulation, which is another reason I feels for Diane Court because she is really like her father has planned her whole life has this kind of like openness you can tell me anything which he just ends up using against her and then this guilt trip part when he convinces her to break up with him is all like I don't know maybe maybe I'm just being selfish I just want some time with you and and I'm going through so much but don't worry you'll be okay and then there's that terrible moment I don't know if you remember where she hugs him and then he walks (gasps) her yeah, where he he pushes her off and walks away. It's so Oh, it's cruel. so bad. It's so bad and so fucking twisted. He's such a mm. dick. He's mm-hmm. such a dick. Oh, God. But then worse, I need you. Mm-hmm. After she's completely shit on Lloyd, mm-hmm. she decides that she's just going to show up at the fucking dojo mm-hmm. and be like, what's up? And good on you. him. He he does say, do you need someone or you do you need me before he immediately says, I don't care. I don't care because which he doesn't because <laughs> I'm just codependent like that. Right. But no, he had yeah. a moment of clarity. Yeah. You know, Until he ro- that- and then he, and then it's always drives me crazy that he rubs the wrong nostril. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always makes me nuts. So. I have to say that this is now my favorite scene of the film. I get what you guys are saying, but it is Dwama as fuck. <laughs> and, I, and I know there's the, you know, she comes back to him afterwards and he's bleeding and, and he pushes her away. And then they have that great line. And then he says, I don't care. And then they kiss. And I is just drama and it's wrong. And I love it, it with a biscuit. Just give me that. <laughs> <laughs> my new favorite scene because the, the boombox scene cannot be my favorite scene anymore this scene when they make up it just made my heart flutter I loved it but that might be my bitterness coming through of like <laughs> it's not when you fall in love it's when you make up that's what's real love is. actually okay wait I have one really favorite Lloyd Dobler moment because we always because all of us have been in so, in high school we're in some fucked up romantic interaction Mm-hmm. And you always wanted that one friend, that one, mm. it didn't have to be a guy friend, but if it was a guy friend, that was really cool. When Joe shows up at the party and he turns around and he's like, dude, she's written 65 songs. She almost fucking killed herself. Mm-hmm. Stop mm-hmm. playing with her head. That's when I was like, that guy is cool. Yeah. He's cool. That's why I can't just write him off as a complete psycho. Like, well, no, and, 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 and that's what makes this film endearing is that he isn't a complete psycho and and I really do think a lot of that has to be attributed to John Cusack as an actor. Because yeah. really, if you had some, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a contemporary, but in someone else's hands, he might be more overtly charming, but by that same token, much more disturbed. Yeah. You know? I also really love, there's like a real quick scene where he, when she calls him to be like, you need to meet me, this was right before the breakup. He's teaching a bunch of little kids. Yeah. 
kickboxing. But while he's on the phone with them, they're all like, hi-ya, hi-ya, hi-ya. And then at the very end, there's like a thunk sound and a kid hits the floor. Like a kid gets completely drop kicked in the background and it's fucking hilarious because I'm dark and I don't have children, <laughs> so I think it's super funny. Daddy goes to prison and we're in this great um, prison thing where, you know, Lloyd basically saying like, I'm going to England with her. And he yells, I'm incarcerated. And it's it's kind of the end of the thing. The only th- question I have on this is what jail do you get to hang out outside and then give your father a pen? A sharp object. So he can kill everyone that he's yeah. like, right? What's that moment yeah. about? That's called white collar white man prison. <laughs> it's so true. Well, you notice they they called uh, end of visiting hours before Diane and she, shows up. Yeah. And oh, okay. Well, they're just finishing up. We'll let yeah. them. You know, we in the wrapping up in the, <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's in the prison system. We're understanding. So, so then we do have our airplane ending, and it's very mm. sweet. She does not like to fly. It's one of her things that she's very afraid of. He's holding her hand, and he's doing the thing that he does best: nervous talking to her through the whole thing. He says the great line of, you know, no one thinks that we can do this. Well, that's how what they say about every success story. Mm-hmm. And then they wait for the ding. They wait for the ding. They wait for the ding. Ding. And we are left with a positive spin of like the graduate ending where it's Mm. like in the graduate, Mm -hmm. you know that they're going to go off and it's going to be fucking disastrous (laughs) as a hopeful, you know, Hey, maybe they'll make it. And Mm -hmm. 35 years later, all three of us could probably agree on this. I'm going to just, just pretty much put it out there. Yeah. Mm. It's not going to (laughs) work. No, Mm -mm. no. That's going Not to be a, a disaster. Snowball's chance in hell that will so work. I'd like to invite everyone to do their rant <laughs> on this one. So <laughs> Sasha, why don't you kick us off on your rant of why this isn't going to work? Yes. So in, in my version of this, this lasts about, I would say, like three months of bliss while they settle into their London flat and explore the city together and find out what it's like to be able to drink before the age of 21. And then once Diane Court starts her Mensa level program and starts talking to a bunch of dudes that actually know what she's about. She very quickly is going to realize that this jock meathead that has followed stalked and followed her basically to London and has nothing really going for himself other than a new pub career of drinking and probably learning about British football. Um, It's just, he's not, he's not cutting it. And he's going to become an obnoxious albatross that just hangs around the apartment and distracts her from her studies and say anything is going to go quickly to, would you just shut the fuck up? (laughs) That's the sequel. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. We're over. But it's not going to last. That's for sure. How could it with a chick who wears a hat like that on a plane? I mean, truly, I concur with everything that Sasha just said. I I think like, wow, there's nothing sexier than a person who has nothing going on in their life, but being obsessed with you. There's nothing more fun to be around. There's nothing more fun to, no one more fun to have a conversation with. You know, as Sasha said, she's going to go off into this incredible program, meeting interesting, intelligent people with accents. And he, (laughs) hey, that's a factor. And he has fuck all to do. Okay, maybe he'll get a job in a kickboxing studio in London. Great, but still, he's got nothing. No interests, no pursuits, no hobbies, but her. 
and she's going to be spending all of her time at school and he's going to be sitting at home getting more obsessive and more anxious and more worked up that he never gets to see her. And I think this goes off the rails like way far before it gets better. <laughs> I, I, It's like I want to have hope that he like opens up a kickboxing studio and it does really well. But all I know is that exactly true. She's just going to, what you both said, he's going to meet a dude with an accent who's got, you know, a fucking nuclear physicist. And he's going to be stuck in a country where they don't have chicken soup. They're going to be stuck in a country <laughs> where there are no graham crackers. You know, I am saying, and there's no Tylenol PM. So this guy is fucked in my opinion. You know, I've, I'm telling him as somebody who's stuck here as well. I love you, the UK, yeah. but... Sometimes you bring me down because you will not bring me Chinese food on a Monday night. Um, oh yeah, yeah, you can't get Chinese on a Monday night, at least not where I live. It's very depressing. Any last thoughts, everyone? It, it was a fun rewatch. I was reticent to rewatch it because I knew that my image and my, my affection for it would be challenged. And it was. Uh, I mean, Lloyd Dobler, you can't help but find him endearing though. You can't help but go, aw, and, and kind of love him. But the practicality of age has made me look at this movie and go, oh, yeah, that's there's there's no hope there. And and this is kind of romantic to a teenager. But in reality, this is just kind of disturbing behavior. But, you know, thank you, John Cusack, for for giving us 11 year old girls something to fixate on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, John Cusack. Thank you, Cameron Crowe. Mm for embedding in me a completely dysfunctional ideal of love <laughs> that I could then spend hours logging, working out in therapy. Thank you for that gift. I, I will have to say this. I, I watched the movie. I was expecting every moment to be, I love this movie. It was definitely had moments where, where I was like, oh, mixed feelings, ah, mixed feelings. And then last night I had an 11 hour sleep, everyone. Amazing. Wow. I know, I know. My son is- mono? No, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I've got no reason to have caught in mono. But anyway, um, I had a really, really good sleep and I woke up and on my last thing is as much as it's questionable what Lloyd Dobler does, this watch made me feel like, oh, Lloyd Dobler is human. And it and you know what I mean? Like, because mm -hmm. I think in my heart, Lloyd Dobler was like the perfect man, even mm -hmm. to you know, Amy Rivers waking up yesterday morning at 42 years old. It was like Lloyd Doppler, amazing. And then when I went to sleep, I was angry at Lloyd. And when I woke up, I just accepted that he was human and 19 and all of the mm. stuff that he did. It may have sent wrong messages when I was younger. Right now, deep breath. I was like, you know what? This movie is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. I still fucking love it. And it this rewatch just made Lloyd Doppler a little more human than he was before because Throughout the whole movie, one of the things we didn't mention was there's this, there's a lot of lines that are like, isn't Lloyd great? Isn't mm -hmm. like, like they don't, they don't, they don't play the line of us letting us decide. Like Corey mm -hmm. says it and everyone says like Lloyd Dobler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that like maybe this rewatch did point out a couple of flaws in this film, but ultimately <laughs> it's like, he's human. And now I love him a little bit more. So here's how we do this, right? Mm -hmm. To determine if a, if, a, if a movie has held its weight. On a transatlantic flight. Ah, okay. To visit the US or I to visit y'all in mm -hmm. Europa. <laughs> would you watch, say anything, 
a binge fest of say yes to the dress mm-hmm. or any movie with Liam Neeson in it, what, how would you choose to spend your time on a transatlantic flight? Oh, well, I can say I have never actually seen say yes to the dress. Uh, so, so that's ruled out just for lack of knowledge. Ooh, not even morbid curiosity. That's to your credit, by the well, way, I'm that ca- you've never seen oh. Say Yes to the Dress. It's just program limitations living in the old world. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> Believe me, I eat that shit up when I can get it. But uh, <laughs> that particular one, I have not seen. So, you know, committing to a full transatlantic flight of it is difficult. Ah. Uh, now, when I think of Liam Neeson, I think only of like the various, you know, 96 hours taken, da, 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 which exactly. strikes me as all the same film anyway. You know, I have a unique skill set and all that shit. Uh, so actually, I think it would be say anything. Mm-hmm. I, I think I could yeah. revisit it with new eyes again and probably see further depth into it, you know, gaze a little deeper into that pool. So, and, I, you know, assuming that there is some form of sleep medication involved. <laughs> You know, perhaps it would give me a new perspective. There you go. See, it holds up. Say anything. Yeah, yeah I, passes I, the test. I, I would <laughs> definitely do say anything, but I have to say, uh, say yes to the dress is a shit show. And after I won't say anything and took a nap and and had a couple of glasses of wine, my ass would probably watch say yes to the dress because it would mm. be the exact opposite. It would be like, oh, this is what uh, yeah. should be, and it's like, oh fuck what a shit show i'm never getting married would <laughs> <laughs> bounce back and forth between say anything and say yes to the dress and just oh. have a, a a 10 hour back and forth pine lick schadenfreude fest. <laughs> <laughs> little cocktail with a little self-loathing yes. in there yes too. yeah mm. <laughs> <Delicious>. <laughs> so much for listening to Eating After Midnight. Big thank you to Alex Martin for being our very first guest ever. We loved having you and hope you come visit again. If you like what you've heard, please pop on over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. And you'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. If you've got the time, please DM us with any comments, questions, complaints, or just say yo. We like it when people say yo. Until then, Keep looking for a dare to be great situation, but don't stalk people because it's fucking creepy.